Hello, stackers, and welcome to another piece of summer content from Stack of Dice. We have had a few things this summer and less than in previous summers to share. Yeah, you uh, actually took a break this summer. I did, and it felt pretty good. <laughs> As we wrap up our summer, we wanted to share a couple more little things before we launch into season five, which is, again, difficult for me to believe. Five years of this. <laughs> five years of this. And so what we want to do... Of course, Meredith is with me, as you've guessed by now. Hi! We're going to share some thoughts and comments about a summer trip that we took as a family. And so we're going to talk not only a little bit about the trip itself, but then also maybe some of the inspiration that we got from it that we could roll back into the game. And I thought that'd be a fun way to bring it all together. So Meredith, if you could just give us a brief overview of what we did this summer. Well, we took a family trip up to Maine, which is one of the 50 states we have not been to, and it's been on our list for a while. A lot of people tend to go in the fall, which would also be an amazing that time to go. would be great. Uh, blueberry season. Ooh. And the leaves, you know, so yes. you have the spectacular oh, yeah. colors. But um, and that, we may get around to that one. That's still on the list, I suppose. Mm-hmm. A fall trip to Maine would be lovely while we're this close. But we just thought it would be a nice, we stayed coastal. We thought that would be a nice summer trip to kind of just go up and down the coast of Maine, which is really where we stayed. Mm-hmm. We stayed in a nice little um, kind of a bungalow, I guess, a little cabin, a freestanding cabin mm-hmm. in a town right along the coast. And most of our day trips were to places along the coast, um, maybe one or two slightly inland. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was mostly a coastal Maine trip with all the seafood and the loveliness yeah yeah and uh yeah basically i had had one layover there when i was in about high school i guess and so it was hard for me to count that i didn't count that that as a visit and so uh it had been a lifelong goal of mine to get back there and see this beautiful state and so yeah again what we want to do is we want to pull out some of the details of our trip and some of the fun things that we saw and did and then find ways to maybe roll that back into a game so, of course, the first thing was a road trip, and you know every game has road travel, wilderness travel, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And in our game, you've done your fair share of hiking through the fields and forests. <laughs> you know, there's, there's always, I, I think, stories like Huckleberry Finn or Tommy Boy or yes. any number of road trip. Speaking my language. St- <laughs> any kind of road trip story yeah. really is about the journey mm-hmm. and the way people grow together on those journeys. Yeah. I think we, we opted to drive mm-hmm. instead of fly. For one thing, we would just have our own car when we got there. Um, takes away the expense of plane tickets and car rental because we wanted to be able to get around however. But like you said, then that gave us the option to stop whenever we felt like it. If we saw a sign for something interesting or, um, you know, scenic overlooks or uh, I'm trying to think of places we stopped on the drive. We didn't really stop. We didn't do that too much. Except for traffic. (laughs) Yeah. And but again, that's that's yeah. part of the journey too. Yeah, it you is. expect that. Yeah. And just seeing the the landscape change a little bit as we headed further north than I've ever been. I don't think. I mean, it's Maine's further north oh, yeah. than Illinois, right? Absolutely. Okay. Watching kids drool in the back seat as they yeah. slept. <laughs> a couple of bums. Yeah. But a lot of fun, beautiful 
you know, the closer we got up to the state, the more mm. woods there were. Yeah. And uh, of course, the weather was cooling off. Here we were in it July. Was. That's right. That's right. And overnight, it was chilly. It was. It was downright chilly. We were leaving here and it was in the 90s or 80s. That's right, because that was the week of, that was probably one of the warmer of weeks July weekend, yeah. uh, in Maryland summer this year. You know, it was in the low 90s. I mean, you don't get huge heat waves in Maryland, right. but it was in the low 90s. And we got up to Maine, and it was like 74. Seven, yeah, low <laughs> 70s, amazing. 60s. And yeah, then overnight, overnight, it was, it was like down 50s, in the 50s. Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah. felt invigorating. And of course, yes. then you mix in the smell of the sea. Or the ocean, and, and, and you know that, that really was a nice mm-hmm. combination. So thinking through the things we got to do while we were up there, first day, we went to the Portland Head Light. And of course, many will immediately know when you think of Maine, you think of lighthouses. And so there's this beautiful lighthouse. We stayed just adjacent to Portland, Maine. And so we had been given some good tips on things to go see in the area. We had. And uh, so we made our first stop, the Portland Headlight. And as we pulled into the parking area, Meredith had an interesting comment because what was off to our left? Uh, There was some ruins. Yeah. And you said, what is that? (laughs) I mean, you were immediately captivated by these... Basically, yeah. it was just the walls. There was no roof or anything. Right. It was it was the ruins of like a mansion mm-hmm. house. Yep. And but it was it was literally just the stone walls. So mm-hmm. the the shape, the general shape of the house was still there. Some of the walls were crumbled. There was no roof at all. All the windows were busted out. I think that there was a door on it, but I mean, you could just flop through a. We could we could have just hopped through an open window because yeah, there were no we had, windows. If we had wanted to, we could yeah, have no, we found were, a way in. No, no, I'm sure it was crawling with animals and who knows what else. And just but, dangerous with loose stone and whatever. Right, right. But, but um, what got me about that was your reaction. You saw ruins and you were immediately curious. Yeah. And who wouldn't be? I I was like that too. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was surprised to find that that was not mentioned at all mm-hmm. in the stuff about mm-hmm. this lighthouse. It was it was a state park, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole area was a was yeah. A state it park. was in a state park, and so we had looked it up, and and no mention of this. So when we pulled up, and it was right there, right alongside the rocky shore, mm-hmm. like it was a main feature. And so yeah, it surprised me. Main feature. Mm-hmm. And what was neat about it was, of course, there was a historical marker out in front. So when you walk up to the ruins, it explains that this was a a mansion, like Meredith has already said, that had been basically ceded to coastal defense troops that were stationed there around or just before World War One. So as there was concern about the possibility of German submarines coming in to coastal United States, uh, they had shore batteries set up to uh, to provide cover against enemy warships. You had soldiers stationed there, and the mansion had been commandeered or maybe even granted to the use of this coastal unit that was there. And so you had NCOs, non-commissioned officers that were living in the house. And then it was really not a, not a far walk out to the gun. No, it really wasn't. It it was all right in within eyeshot. Mm -hmm. And I think we did after we walked around and we did take a few pictures, which I guess we should post if we, yeah, we're we're absolutely going to share the pictures if we can, get them all together and yeah. we'll throw them onto both Twitter. Well, I guess Twitter, Instagram, and discord. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after we had kind of walked around the house and then we, 
just walked through the woods a very short distance behind the house and there was the fort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a battery. It was basically the stone and mortar walls that had mm -hmm. been built there. No cannon, but the, the pits were there where the guns had been. And for me, going to old forts is always a wonderful thing. Just imagining what it must have been like to be there. Summertime, like when we were there, no problem. Yeah, it was lovely. Thinking of wintertime mm -mm. with gales coming from the Northeast, from Canada, from wherever, uh, and thinking of how bitingly cold that must have been. Yeah, because it was on high ground too, right there overlooking the shoreline. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing to stop that wind coming in off the, was it the ocean at that point? Uh, it was, was a, it a bay, bay? but um, there was really still. nothing between the bay and the ocean. Yeah. Uh, there was also to the right of that northernmost battery, there was a, a cove where a ship could come in and it, there, I guess it was deep enough that it would allow reasonably sized ships to be able to come in mm -hmm. and then offload supplies and things onto that little rocky beach. Yes. I loved the rocky beach. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wonderful. We spent, I don't know, an hour there or more. At least. Just sitting on the rocks and yeah. listening, watching the birds flying, smelling that smell, hearing the, the coming mm -hmm. and going of the waves. Oh yeah, we were out there for a good, a solid hour. I was also struck by the very interesting rocks. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them actually looked like petrified wood. And we brought back a couple little yeah, pieces. Yeah, they're probably up on the shelf with the rest of your rocks and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So that was neat. And again, just in the quiet, imagining what it must have been like to be there back in the early, early 1900s when it was quite a bit less populated and mm -hmm. a little more remote. Yeah. But even because we climbed down out onto the boulders that made up sort of a cliff face. Yeah, below looking. the guns. Yeah, below the guns and above uh, above and off to the side of the the shore, the cove where the ship would be able to come in. There were just these cliffs of boulders and rocks and that's kind of where we the four of us climbed out and found found each found a perch. <laughs> To sit on, and that's where we just spent a lot of time. We just yeah. kind of sat there, and it felt remote. Because mm -hmm. nobody at, at the time that the four of us went out there, nobody else was really out on that part. There were some little families on the beach, but we were the only ones out there on the cliffs, and it was just, I just sat there. Could have been there quite a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, yes, I could have stayed all day, but we definitely, that was just, we hadn't even gotten to the lighthouse part yet, mm -mm. and, you know, that was kind of what we went there to see. Yeah. And what was neat about that, and a way to tie that into games, is don't underestimate the appeal and the power of ruins. Mm -hmm. There's history built into them. Why are they there? Who yeah. lived there? What was it used for? What happened to it? Why is it no longer in use? There were so many questions. And of course, a historical marker is there to help us, but mm -hmm. that's not necessarily going to be the case, although that'd be kind of interesting if there was some kind of historical society in your game world. Well, that reminds me a little bit of as we were traveling, I guess it was this past season, season four, when we were following along and we kept seeing little markers that the other dwarves had mm -hmm, set up. Was mm -hmm. that this season? Yep. So that's kind of the same thing. We'd come along this little circle of stones or whatever it was. I forget. I forget it was now. a pile of stones. Pile of stones. But and then arranged in a way that a dwarf would know. Right, yes. Tira obviously <laughs> knew these were put here, you yeah. know. And there were markers of a sort. I don't think they had much language on them. Or if they did, I couldn't read it. But 
we did already have a very similar element in the game this past season. Yeah. And I've always been a fan of trying to inject that sense of age into a game world of having history as part of the experience so that it feels bigger than it actually is. I don't necessarily have to have all the details figured out. I just kind of throw something out there and you all are left to either wonder about it or just, eh, and move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, the real fun comes when we ask him about it. <laughs> He's like, uh. Roll the die. <laughs> <laughs> that, gives, that buys the D. That buys time. you a couple of extra seconds. I'm going to say, well, the die's going to tell you nothing. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, we went to the other side, to the southernmost battery, and then passed that to not only the fort proper, where I guess most of the soldiers had been garrisoned, but also to the lighthouse beyond. And that was neat because there was a sign out on the rocks there where a ship had foundered right around yeah, Christmas time. Yeah, had run aground or something. In the 18, late 1800s, yeah. I think. And additionally, Henry Longfellow yes. had been there and had written a poem about, I believe, that very ship foundering. And so it was just kind of neat, again, to think yeah. that this literary figure that we know about, we read about in our English classes and so forth, was there at one point and... We were there too. It yeah, was just- seeing the things that we saw, had the same view, more or less. Yeah, and it was a beautiful lighthouse. It was a very classic coastal main lighthouse. It was red and white, I think, wasn't uh, it? Black and white. Was it black and white? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't remember. I'll have to go back and look at my pictures. It was yeah. one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> red and white or black and white. Very classic. Yep. And again, that unobstructed view as you're mm-hmm. standing there on the, the head and you're looking out over the water. And there's, again, nothing there. Then that's why they, of course, put it there. Right. So DMs, as you are placing buildings, make sure that where you're putting them makes sense Mm -hmm. and that the place is suited to the purpose. That was day one. That was day one. We also got to sample, of course, some of the food Mm. while we were up there. And as we've already mentioned, we were just ahead of blueberry season, but there was still blueberry pie on the menu. And I had... A couple pieces. You did at that really one near, the re- yeah. near our hotel, right? That's right. Yeah. That was very tasty. And then, of course, lobster. Yes. We had to have some lobster. In addition to that, we didn't actually do this, but one of the recommendations for tourists in particular is if you're going to go up to Maine and you want lobster, go to a lobster pound. And a lobster pound is where you buy fresh lobster and then they cook it for you on the spot mm-hmm. so that you have hot, fresh, Live Maine lobster? Right. That's just kind of a neat regional thing that is only done in that area. Mm-hmm. And we also got to run into a term that we have seen before, uh, but the, the term jimmies. Oh, yeah. Uh, for sprinkles on ice cream. Yeah. Outside of New England, yeah. everywhere else calls them sprinkles. Sprinkles, yeah. <laughs> but, of course, New England has the word jimmies for that. And so that reminds me, yeah, it sounds quaint Mm -hmm. to us, but uh, what's neat about it is linguistic differences as you go from place to place. So in a game world, you can easily flavor an area just by throwing in a few words that maybe don't make sense at first to the players. But then as they begin to grab onto the context or they get used to an area, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. you must be from this area because you just said that. Just like you and saying pop <laughs> kind of places That's you not in just the Midwest. Me. <laughs> it does place me in the Midwest quite firmly. Uh, and so that's one way DMs to inject a little bit of interest 
not only regional words, flavor, right, and then the food because food changes from place to place. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many games I've played, and we've traveled from one place to a distant place and what's on the menu oh potatoes and meat you know same thing as yeah exactly and we just came from a place that had potatoes and meat and that was several days away yeah Uh, it'd be great if you planned in maybe a specific kind of vegetable or maybe this place doesn't eat meat at all yeah or whatever you know just having little flavorful differences from place to place that make it feel distinct yeah so on another day we decided to go visit a place that I was excited about when I learned about it, and that was Brunswick, Maine. And we climbed into the car. I think that was only about an hour away from where we were, yeah, hour and a half, something mm-hmm. like that. Made the drive and got up there, and there were two things that I wanted to see. First was Bowdoin College, which is the oldest higher education institution in the state. And also uh, across the street is the home of a Civil War general, Joshua Chamberlain who was the hero of Gettysburg, or a hero of Gettysburg. And so we got to tour his house and see what life would have been like in the 1870s. Yeah, that was fascinating. Um, that I was glad that we did the tour. I, w- I have always loved touring old homes. When I was in high school, uh, back in the Chicago area in Illinois, my mom and sister and I used to go on a thing. Uh, the town I grew up in was called Elgin, Elgin, Illinois. And they had a yearly historic home tour. It was called the Elgin House Walk. Mm-hmm. And my mom and sister and I went on that every year. You know, she's three girls walking around other people's beautifully appointed historic homes. And I just, and they're always, um, it's guided tours. So you have Dulcent's throughout the house to tell you about some history and some cool architectural features or if anything neat historical happened there. So getting to tour Joshua Chamberlain's house was right up my alley. I always love those kinds of tours. In Elgin in particular, what was neat about it was there were so many of those houses that they would change them up every year. Oh yeah, every year it was different ones. You know, you could apply to get your own. I mean, and these were very often houses people were currently living in. Mm-hmm. You would apply if you thought you, if you knew you lived in a historic house, or if you knew that your house had some architectural merit, you would apply to be on the Elgin house walk. And then, I don't know, it was usually maybe, maybe two dozen houses every year. Yeah. Uh, and you'd get a little map and show you each one. You just, you went to whichever ones you wanted, but when you got there, then they were, it was guided tours. Really neat. Mm -hmm. By doing something like that in a game, you are immediately seeding your world with historical intrigue. Who lived here again? What makes this place special? Mm -hmm. Why, why does it matter? Curious architectural features. Right. I mean, the house I grew up in even had a curious architectural feature. Do you want to describe that? I do. (laughs) Um, So there was, when we first moved in, we discovered that there was one more window on the outside of the house than there was on the inside of the house. So we got up on a ladder, looked in that window, and it was a staircase. Turns out there was a staircase that went from what must have been like a cook or a servant's quarters Mm -hmm up on the second floor, and that staircase went from the kitchen up to that room. Right. And it had, at some point in the house's history, had been closed off and boarded up and was no longer in use. But that was just a really neat 
find. And I loved to tell that story to all, any of my friends and my, my best friend who lived next door, she and I were always boosting each other up so we could look in the window <laughs> because there was like a hammer and a man's belt and like a pencil or something that you could see just on the stairs. And we would make up stories about there being a ghost or a man who died. He was, he was sealed in, you know? Yeah. So it's like you can add those kinds of yeah, things. Absolutely. Just, Pick a quirky a hidden staircase or a you know, door that goes nowhere. What's up with that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. If you want to get a party's attention, just throw that little detail in there and then let them run wild with it mm-hmm. and see what happens. In a moment, you could influence the direction of a session or even an entire campaign. And as far as you know, tying it back in with our tour of the Chamberlain House, if you want to, you can throw into a game the ancestral home of some legendary figure in your world right? to help you know, add, add to the mystique or take away from the mystique. This, this was an actual person. I thought that, was, that guy was just a myth or you know, it was this guy who lived in this house. Yeah. And, you know, and he you wasn't can... all that great after all <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Or whatever, yeah. Another possibility is old soldiers go somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's true, because that was one of the cool things about the tour. The, the man who led the tour was clearly well studied in Chamberlain's life. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority, I would say, of the talk was about his life post-Civil War. You know, he talked about his time as president of the college. That's why his house was right there. His, he was governor of the state for a while, I think. Right. And yep. Lots of things. So like you said, you know, an old soldier. Yes, he was a famous Civil War general, but that was only four years of his life. You right. know, there was a whole lot more to his story. Right. Then you could have one person influencing a pretty large region. Mm-hmm. And he know, did. Using his influence and doing interesting things. He could become an ally of the party. He could become an enemy of the party. Who knows? That's all for your table to find out. One other fun evening, on the 4th of July, we actually got to go as a family out to a nearby beach. We were very, very close to the beach where we were in our hotel. It was only, I don't know, three, four miles away. If that, yeah. yeah. And we parked and we walked down and of course there's a festive mood uh, and we went down to the beach, Old Orchard Beach. Yeah. And they had like a little fair. Carnival, yeah. A permanent carnival, permanent fair. And then a pier that went out into the water. And so somewhere between that, we staked out a little area on the beach. And it turned out that we were only about 50 feet away from where they were firing <laughs> off the fireworks. It was amazing. I've never been that close to the we launch We were literally point. underneath the fireworks. Under the fireworks. It <laughs> and was so great. It was a good show. It, it was. It, you know, the breeze coming in off the water. Mm-hmm. The, the lights of the pier, because yeah. it was all neon lights, greens and blues and right. reds. The fair the behind us with the Ferris wheel Ferris going wheel, yeah. and the shifting lights. Yep. And so, again, there's this idea of holidays mm-hmm. in a game world. What is it that people look forward to? What do they celebrate? Why do they celebrate it? What happened in the past that caused them to celebrate this and remember this in their lives today? And then, like you said, just the festive atmosphere. I mean, we mm-hmm. parked way out in the neighborhood because <laughs> <laughs> it was free, and we figured we'd be able to get out more easily. Yeah, and, and we, we did. And we just walked in, and the closer we got to that permanent setup and the pier and the and the beach i mean it was just throngs of people and everybody's talking and laughing and they're stopping at the food trucks and the restaurants and they're 
you know, lining up for the Ferris wheel. Playing games. Throwing, there was a beach ball that was getting bounced yes, around yes, between there was, strangers. Yep, yep. <laughs> Big beach ball getting tossed around and people all down on the beach and everyone has their blanket and everything's everybody's getting ready for the fireworks. And that's a fun thing to bring out in, in a game. You know, we've been to lots of different types of city settings. And I don't know if we've really been through a festival much Not yet. Not really. <sighs> Not as such. I guess most of the special occasions have just, like we've had, which was the desert one, the moving desert? Seth Arban. Um, Yeah, were they the Jama. ones that, that, Jama, yeah, that's what I was thinking it was, where, you know, they would throw a feast in our honor after we had, you know, saved them from a bad guy or something. You know, a couple of places we went where we were given the fancy clothes to wear to the mm -hmm. feast in our honor, but that's, that's not exactly the same as a festival atmosphere that has nothing to do with your players. Yeah. It's part, it's a part of the local tradition. Right. That would be uh, an interesting and a fun thing to explore at some point. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. One other thing we wanted to talk about was toward the end of our trip, we had the opportunity to go to a bookstore. Of course, I am a big book guy, especially antique books. And we did some looking. We found one place and we went by it and it was closed. We could have called and asked for the person to come in, but that, yeah, we don't want to do it that. It was a very, very small bookstore, it which was. doesn't necessarily mean there was nothing interesting in there, but it didn't seem worth the, the it was trouble. pottery and books. It was. And it was so, pottery and yeah. books, so it wasn't even, yeah, his loyalties were divided. <laughs> and so we did some more looking and then found a couple of antique malls and then beyond that, a bookstore that was devoted entirely to books. We went in and I'll I realized <laughs> this is the place that I was looking oh for. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we walked in and it just, it was a Dr. Seuss house. It just, rooms were connected every which way and you walked in and you just kind of, it was a maze. It was. It was. It's stacks of books. Yes. Uh, you walk into the first room and it was a table with books stacked on it. Behind that, shelves with books crammed into them. Interesting old books, mm -hmm. uh, 1800s, uh, all the way up through modern books. That smell when you walk in, and then archways into other rooms behind that one. And a little old man who was there, he was in his 70s or 80s. Yeah, I'd say 70s for and sure. And was telling us that he had just bought another location to move to. And I thought, my goodness. You're going to move all this? <laughs> You know, the, something like he had a big storage unit that he had like 30,000 more books and he bought a new place to put all those in or yeah, something. I thought, good night. crazy that here he is this old and expanding, expanding his business. Expanding, yeah. <laughs> so really neat place. We came out of there with books. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. But that was such a great visual. It was exactly what you envision when you think of an old antique bookseller. I mean, like you said, it was just this little one guy yep. working in there. Yep. One little old man just kind of sitting at his desk with his glasses on. And it was literally, there were bookshelves with books placed on them, but there were just stacks. Mm -hmm. Just stacks of books. I mean, there were, it was pretty narrow alleyways for the most part as you walked through. And each room was different. There was a room that had lots of maps. Yep rolled up or framed or anything. I mean, so you could go back into the map room and then another room where they were like glass fronted bookshelves. And it's just, it was, it was just amazing. It was great. It was a great, you know, that just that idea of there's no telling what you're going to find in here. I found this great book. I, I almost bought it and it was right there in the first room. I mean, it, 
I didn't even have to go looking far for it, but it was something, it was, it was a, it was a primer. It was a girl's school primer and it was meant for young, it was so funny. It was meant for, I mean, I don't know what, what passed as primer education. It might've been like 10 to 14 year olds. The introduction, the, the person who compiled it, it was poems and passages for recitation. Mm-hmm. And he said, and it was from, you know, either late 19th century or possibly early, early 20th, like 1920s or earlier. But he made a point of saying, I picked out, you know, very elementary, very simple. And I read the first, I started reading the first one in there. And it was this complexly poetic, (laughs) you know, a paean of praise for the beauty and complexity of creation. Yeah. And I'm like, this, this, is, this is what 100 years ago, 10-year-old girls were expected to be learning to recite. And I thought, oh, I want to buy this. But it almost made me sad to look at it because yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. It, just, it was such a neat window into the past. Yeah. And so that idea of this winding maze of a bookstore and you, you find, you know, we, we've gone into libraries in our game and found ancient manuscripts manuscripts that had to be magically finished and all those kind of stuff so it was very very like that good good well i'm glad that we've been able to have some experiences in game that resonate and you know you're able to make connections too and that's what i've been trying to do throughout is make sure that we have those those connections and good mental images of the places that we're visiting virtually well like we said at the beginning We have pictures, and we will do what we can to pull those together into one place, and then we'll dump them into Twitter, Instagram, and uh, the Discord server. Stackers, if you are at all interested in that, be looking for that coming up soon. We can't guarantee that they will be in place at the time this episode drops, but if you're patient, yeah, we'll we'll try and get them in there and uh, share those with you. Well, Stackers, we want to thank you for joining us, and we have enjoyed reliving our trip. It's always fun to do that and think about the fun we've had and miss those halcyon days of rest and relaxation. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, also just to remind ourselves that there are wonderful things in this world. We don't Mm -hmm. have to pretend we can enjoy good things here, but it is also fun to put those things into a game world and find ways to celebrate with our characters. So we hope you've enjoyed this. If you have thoughts or if you've been up to this area and you want to share some things that you have enjoyed in that region, we would love to hear about it. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at stackodice, and you can write to us at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. And of course, you can always interact with us in real time on our Discord server. We have a little bit more coming up before we launch into our season, and we hope that you will join us for that right here at Stack of Dice. Thank you. So Meredith, if you <coughs> get grief. <laughs> 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 <laughs>